0: to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Knight And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we're once again joined by Tim Weston, who is a property investor and property partner at Opus. And look, last time Tim was on the show, probably about 100 episodes ago, we talked about his buying rules in an existing property when you are planning to renovate it. And so we thought, well, look, since Tim works on both sides, he's got both renovated properties and brand new properties, we'll talk about the other side, what he looks for in a new property. The idea being that when you're looking for properties, you can look for similar things. So, Tim, what are three or four main things? And let's walk through the things that you look for when considering investing in, in newer properties.
1: What are you looking for? Okay, good question, Ed. Look, I I do drive around the city if I'm looking around, say Christchurch, for example, around the four ABS. Being involved in areas like Maravolo, Fennelton, having a property there, you get a, a, a great capital gain. But it'll cost you a lot to get in there, so your yield's low. When there's other areas like right beside it, for example, where you better value for money, so to speak, but you could your yields high, so you get better value for money, from what, what I see. And as the, the city's been expanding and changing there's a, a couple of areas that, that I see that there's a lot of like gentrification going on. So you've got a lot of old villas where people are uh, pumping a lot of, lot of money into. Yeah. Villas
2: are villas are the killer of all investment. So I've had several situations where buy a villa because they look nice and they've got good character and you think you can renovate them. And the problem is they're such a nightmare to keep maintained. And I think every investor who's been around a while that's invested in villas wouldn't
1: touch them with a barge pole. They'll cost you twice the amount, excluding the rot and so forth, but yeah. just all the intricate details them and so on. So, if we're talking Christchurch, for example, is that's there. Uh, I've spent most of my life here, so I know they're the, they the best. So, a couple of areas, if I can talk areas, for example, you've got say, like Merivale's most affluent, and that then pushed through to St Albans. So 20 years ago, St Albans was a good spot. And now that's pushing out towards like your Edgware and your Richmond areas. Yeah. And then the other side of like Rickerton, so Fenelton, Rickerton, and back around the other side of the park there, you have Addington. Uh, so they're all very close to the CBD within the four avs, literally three, four minutes drive away, but land is cheaper. So you do get good value for money, generally you should get places that'll pay for themselves. And then there are somewhat like high density. So you'll get townhouses going up and new homes, but there is a lot of the subdividing and house goes on the back, but people are doing up the villas. So that sorts of characteristics really shine for me. And I, I noticed that. So that's where I look. And then again, I also read all the reports that you put out, yet, and oh. um, listen to listen to that and take that on board, and it works, it aligns with my thinking as well, it somewhat backs it up, so I, I think that's great.
0: That's the economy, kind of you, first of all, for other people listening to the show who aren't necessarily in Christchurch, so you're not looking at the most expensive ones, but where are those areas spreading out to, and where are people who are aspirational and might otherwise buy in a Fendleton or a Remuera sort of area, if we can talk about yes. Auckland, but are putting their money into a slightly cheaper suburb, but doing up the property to still have a really good value, and that will start to push values up over time and gentrify the area.
1: Yes. So it, it's good value for me, so it fits within my budget, but then also it fits for people that are actually, that can afford to live there and to rent there. So it, it, it kind of broadens the catchment of people that can afford. So say if it's people in Christchurch from 400 to 550, I'm well within those parameters. That That's per week sort of money. So if I buy a place and it's going to cost somebody $700 a week, I'm really limiting the amount of people that can afford that. So I try and stick between some parameters there and yeah, it's comfortable for me. And that's what I like to talk to clients about as well. And it seems to fit for, for, for most people. I think that,
2: yeah, one of the key points is just getting things that are in the middle of the curve when it comes to affordability. If you go too far on either a side, either really, really cheap, so you're getting such a property that's not attractive to a lot of people, and you're going to have the same issue when you resell or really, really expensive, where it's a lower pool of tenants, lower pool of people to resell to, it, you just risk a bit more. Whereas if you go right in that middle market Absolutely. that appeals to so many people, the 80% of
0: the people, Correct. Then then it's a better investment. And it's interesting as well, Tim, that you're almost taking this map level view, a map level view of the city in order to understand different areas and where they sit within the city, both in terms of their yields and the affordability, the purchase price, to understand what are the dynamics at play in the different markets, because some do have these yes. individual property markets within them.
2: That's an interesting point. Like, Tim's obviously been investing in Christchurch. Christchurch is what you know, and, and me too, with my investment portfolio is highly focused on Christchurch because that's that's where I was born and that's where I live yes. most of the time. But I've got same as you so much exposure to all these other markets. Yes. So we see properties, we recommend properties in Auckland all the time, Hamilton, Tauranga, Wellington, all this kind of thing. So what's been what's been your focus for Christchurch lately?
1: More, I guess that it is somewhat undervalued by going out and doing like site visits with our clients. So we show them the area and the proposed site, noticing a lot of areas where, say, more House Air, for example, the the shell there's uh, it's a new shell, and then a new BP to set uh-huh. up there, and then Spotlight have just put a whole mega centre there. So that's right around Addington. So you've got all these big corporate anchor tenants or massive corporate companies. They do
2: more population growth research than any of us could afford to do. Absolutely.
1: And then next minute, there's uh, somebody, a developer or development just up the road. You think, well, that's great. And the new sports facility is just happening down the road. And it's really close to the massive Hagley Park and the Botanical Gardens, close to Rickerton and the Westfield. So it's it's, it's fantastic for just all the amenities that are around. So you're looking for places that have a where businesses are
0: moving into because those businesses are making a significant investment in terms of hiring out a premise and starting a new store, buying the stock for that store and getting staff in order to to be able to open the doors. And and it drives traffic there. Absolutely. And so you're basing it both on that research but also the additional commerce that would be expected to come to that area because you've got a new business opening. Yes. Fascinating stuff. And Tim, as well, I know that it's not just price and rent cash flow. You're looking for or gentrification, you've also done a look, and I'm just going to switch gears for a minute to talk a little bit, to get really specific on one investment I know you did, which was Kodo, which we talked about two episodes ago, where you got really into the body corp. I know I'm changing gears, but I think yes. if you could talk about the case study and the level of detail you went into with this property. And I you- just
2: I just want to say here that Tim <laughs> Tim is a, a great friend of mine and a great coworker, the most annoying client that I've ever experienced because he goes through everything with such a fine-tooth comb 13 times over before he feels comfortable and he just doesn't leave your office until he feels comfortable.
1: That's
0: true. So yes. talk to us about this investment and the level of it's detail you went into in terms of looking at around that body corporate.
1: So as other people put it, I'm, I'm just quite thorough. It was more just getting an understanding of what's going on. Where's the money spent? So the body corp is- Can we that, just
2: explain how body corporates work? Just for yeah, you listeners yeah. that before? Um, so well.
1: it's more, look, it covers, say, there is a charge for like, it's another company, a third party so that this, sort of runs an and looks complex, after. It's an and so this this has got a, a
2: collective pool which pays the common uh, things like the insurance, insurance. the yes. rubbish collection, all those yes, kind of things, right?
1: Yeah, somebody would come and mow the lawns and do the hedges and do the weeding and so forth. So just general upkeep and then there's a bit of a sinking fund. So it's costs that you generally have with a normal house but you're somewhat, you have to put the money in each year and it's, it's something that just regularly happens. But at least the the presentation of the place that from the day that we brought it till even in five years time, it's still going to look exactly the same. It's going to be clean, it gets washed once a, like who, who washes their house once a, a year? Like it actually gets water blasted and there's, somebody there every week with a blower all the leaves go and everything so it's yeah. it's great and it's just what you pay for but it so preserves your is value absolutely and then it's good for tenants they, they like to live there because it's a well groomed
0: place and so in terms of the level of detail you went into with yes. this body corporate <laughs> because you noticed it was higher than you would expect it to be so is, yeah,
1: yeah. how did you know that and then what have you done about it so it was more just looking through so there is like expenditure so we can see where all the money actually goes and I guess i just like to know where where the funds every do last go. dollar goes. I know noticed there's one out going somewhat large so we all pay our normal rates but there was a $25,000 charge for rubbish so what's happened is that there's just some large bins so one, uh, three for recycling and three large bins for general waste and it was twenty-five k, and we still paid normal rates it'd be silly to have 36 apartments with three bins each like that's yeah. 90 yeah. odd bins lined yeah. up which is horrendous but now I've gone out and I've just been getting quotes from a couple of other companies and they're literally I've got one which is a third of the price. So it's just really making sure that, hey, yes, it's like a mainstream company that comes to pay out the rubbish. I won't say who, but they are a mainstream company. But the one that I'm looking at getting, we use them personally at our BNB that we run at home. Most of the cafes and bars around the city use this company. So I'm somewhat thinking, well, they're obviously good at what they do. So yeah. they're a third of the price. So that's going to save, uh, let's say, $18,000. So that could be $500, say $600 net per property. $10 a week. Per, per property. That's $10 a true. week per property. So the interesting part
2: about that, you do pay a body corporate manager to facilitate all of this. Correct. You might have thought that they would have looked into this. Absolutely. So yeah. they're an Auckland-based company, I think, because that tends to be the case. But yeah, I just find it interesting. Yeah,
1: that you- there's a there's a, a few points that I've highlighted and have raised with body corporate with with someone else. So we are sort of working through them. And look, with with older plot. Places there is somewhat sinking funds and have money aside five grand for tidying up the fences in the next three years and so on. The fences are fine. Could probably actually just get a builder there to go through and through, put a few, change a few palings because yeah. tow bars have hit them and, yeah. and just stain it, get a student through and stain it, and be great again. You don't need to spend $5,000 on a new fence, but you need to put money aside for costs.
2: I do think a key point there is just actually reading what's going out, because a lot of people, myself included, probably would just look at the amount that you're paying and go, yeah, that works in my budget, and never look at it again, whereas Tim has gone through it line by line and said, does that seem reasonable? And, yes. and as a, as an owner of a property in a complex which has a body corporate, I think that's important to. Do to actually tend those AGMs and question things to see if you can uh, find another $10 a week because it's $10 at least that you're putting in and hopefully buying another investment.
1: Like it was probably at the higher end of my capacity on what I would want to spend for a body corpse. It should be maybe let's say you know, eight hundred a thousand dollars less. However, the buy price on let's call it forty grand less than where it probably should have been. Yeah. And you know it was under even the the government values and um, under from uh, some units in the front that were selling. So it was it was just good buy.
0: And Tim, look, you're obviously a very thorough person. Some people who are this thorough would never end up buying a property because they've done so much research they've talked themselves out of it. So so yes. how do you how do you decide when you've gone far enough with this level of research that you're like, look, I'm going to pull the trigger.
1: Absolutely. Sometimes it's more a matter of the instead of convincing yourself, going, oh well, it's still not quite the right time, and I'll do it next year, and so on. It's more not having that emotional attachment to it, or I guess it's somewhat being like numb to it, and just going, okay, it, it works. Yes, on paper it works. I'm now d- I'm doing it because. It all fits. Instead of then suddenly being hesitant and going, oh, I still just don't know because of this and that and creating stories in my head that might come out, I don't know. If I don't do it, I don't know. It all works on paper. So do you can guess yourself.
0: Fantastic. Well, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to learn more about property with Andrew and I, why not check out our No Money Worries email course? This is where we have collated our top nine lessons, uh, including a bit of homework, so you can test what you've what you've actually learned and think more deeply about how you've invested in property or thought about investing in property in the past to challenge some of those assumptions. Now, I'm going to link. That in the show notes or you can just go to opuspartners.co.nz slash no money worries thanks for listening to the property academy podcast i'm your host ed mcknight and i'm Andrew and we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the new zealand property market until next time